Hey everyone, I am Aurelia. And I'm Matthew. And I'm Fran. And we are the pastors of Peace of Christ Church. And this is our second episode of Spiritual Landing. Yes. And just to tell us tell you a little bit about us, we are a small but mighty community in the heart of Texas doing the work of radical love and total inclusion. So we believe that this is the work of Jesus and that the love of the Creator welcomes all. So that is what we are about, and that is what spiritual lanyap is also about. It's about talking about that work and the way it extends outward in our community, in our world. And so I'm so excited because today we have with us a special guest <laughs> by the name of Reverend Dr. David Zuniga. Applause. <laughs> <laughs> so we are interviewing Dr. David Zuniga today as a part of our episode and leading up to an event we have coming up in March called Dig Deep, the Teachings of Jesus and the Buddha, which we'll talk more about at the end. Matt, you look like you want to say something. Nope. You're, you're doing great. <laughs> okay. Um, but we have known... David. Can I call you David? Sure, yeah. Call me Dave. Dave. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can call me that too. We have known David for a few years. Four or five years. He has been an integral part to our interfaith dialogues that we've put on for about five years. Um, Speaking at them and teaching us about... Uh, well, uh, Buddhism, uh, comparative religion, I learned from you guys as well. We yeah. have a lot of common yeah. interests. So tell us, tell us who you are, because this, <laughs> this interview is about you and the work you're doing and the, the stuff you're going to teach us in March. Well, I guess the way I would identify myself, I don't know if this is answering the question, but I, I am a clinical psychologist, a licensed psychologist. I am an ordained Zen Buddhist priest. I was ordained in South Korea. Uh, and the other key demarcators of my life is that I'm a dad and a husband. Those, those are the ways I would define myself. And, and I'm so honored to be in dialogue with you all. We've been friends. I feel like we've definitely formed a deep friendship because um, we've been friends for so long. Like there's been other amazing ministers who've come and gone and still your church grows. And I just um, am, am, am really blessed to be in dialogue and friendship with all of you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Such kindred spirits. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's an important thing. I I don't want to take us off, but that's an important thing because unfortunately there are some voices of discrimination and exclusion and and people sowing the seeds of uh, separateness and even discrimination sometimes. And so I will say, I I think the name Peace of Christ Church, that's what y'all are doing that. You're you're bringing that inclusivity into our community. We always need that. I think we especially need it right now. Mm-hmm. So gratitude to y'all. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That is a great segue, actually, to, to what I wanted to ask. And yeah. I, I'm a Christian. Sure. Because I think Jesus lays out a beautiful vision of reality for us to live toward. Yeah, I agree. It's beautiful, beautiful worldview. Absolutely. But I wonder, why are you a Buddhist? <laughs> why, why would you say the world needs... Buddhism today? Uh, well, so I really appreciate that a Christian would ask me that. That feels so inclusive. I really appreciate that. Uh, for me, and, and I, I do want to use the words for me, because as a Buddhist or a psychologist, I absolutely believe the key thing is for the individual to find their own skillful path. You're Christian, you're Buddhist, you're Hindu, you're Muslim, you're Taoist, whoever you are, uh, secular humanist, you know, whoever you are, be fully who you are. For myself, and I do think that, that Buddhism has some things to offer in terms of contemplative practices, 
meditation, and philosophy. The other thing I, I would say about Buddhism, and, and, and when we tend to focus on Buddhism, we talk a lot about meditation. Yes, Buddhism's interested in meditation. We talk a lot about Buddhist philosophy. Yes, Buddhist philosophy is a lot of fun. But I do think in Buddhism, um, the heart of Buddhism is the practice of compassion. And, and we need compassion in our world right now, absolutely. And, and there is a lot of compassion. There's compassion all around. It's easy to lose sight of that. But there is deep compassion. And people in Christianity, Judaism, Islam, all these different traditions that are doing really good work. And even here in Central Texas. And I think our, we'll talk about this maybe in a few minutes, but even uh, the, the event that we're putting on together, the Interfaith Retreat, I do think that's one manifestation of compassion in our society. Can you, um, does a specific concrete example come to mind of how we need compassion? Because that's become a buzzword as well, and it's one that's being thrown around a lot. And so yeah. it can lose its meaning if it's not tied to something concrete actions. Yeah. So I wonder I, what you mean when you say that. Uh, so I find myself, I am a fan of politics, and I don't know if I should get political, but uh, I do think that sometimes with our foreign policy, um, I, I think we need to be careful. I, I think that we, in our society, I, I think you see two things that are happening in our society right now. Um, on the one hand, you have an amazing increase in celebrating diversity and inclusivity. So things like marriage equality, uh, celebrating our differences and you know truly being a multicultural society but I do think and, and it's important to name this um, you see a rise of racism in our society also homophobia and yeah. sexism I mean that's just happening mm -hmm. and, and some of that I think is an unfortunate byproduct of human nature whenever you have advancement of inclusivity say celebrating women's rights and equality uh, LGBTQ rights, marriage equality, unfortunately sometimes you will have a backlash, a resistance to change. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of social justice there's some amazing stuff going on and some kind of compassion being manifested, uh, but then there is discrimination um, and sometimes even violence against mm -hmm. that. And a rising nationalism yeah. and ethnocentrism. Yeah, you, you even That's see well. some politicians uh, I'll just be blunt. I, I, I don't know how much we want to get into this, but Steve King, an elected official in the House, you know, was kind of saying, hey, what's wrong with nationalism? Right. You know, that's morally abhorrent. That's right. wrong, plain right. and simple. When we have politicians playing footsie with the KKK, something's wrong right. in our society, and people need to stand up for that. Mm -hmm. so, so good for you all for doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You said that you were a fan of politics. Not, <laughs> I am, actually. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure I can say the same for myself. <laughs> uh, politics may be part of what's driven me yeah. to pick up one of those magazines <laughs> on the grocery aisle that says mindfulness. <laughs> across. We need a break. Escape. <laughs> right. well, can mindfulness be escapism? Is that what? Because well, it sounds like yeah, it's an escape yeah. for you. I think I'm just transitioning into that. Sure, 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 right? sure. People yeah. don't really know a lot about Buddhism, but right. they've probably heard. Right. Well, and I will say, if it's okay to come back to your first question for just a second, that's okay. <laughs> so, like a little personal sharing. My dad actually had a PhD in political science, so I always grew up around politics and little personal thing. My dad was in the Navy. He had an active duty career in the Navy for 20 years. So I've always kind of grown up in military culture and politics. When I first grew up around politics... I thought politics, and I don't mean to be mixing church and state inappropriately, but I thought of politics as like loving service. Mm -hmm. 
You're building community. You're building the social net, safety net. You're bringing everybody together for the common good. I'll just be blunt. Republican or Democrat, Hillary Clinton was right about one thing. It takes a village. We all need to come together. That's what Jesus said. That's what the Buddha said. That's what all spiritual teachers have, have said throughout history. So I always kind of grew up in that context of what politics is. But I hear you. Politics can also be unskillful. <laughs> We're also tired. And yeah, really yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Yeah, well, it's exhausting, the kind of stuff that's happening. So, so that does bring us back to mindfulness or contemplative prayer, that if, if you're going to do the good work in the community, you need to engage in self-care. And you also need to engage in practices that keep you grounded because we can all get sucked in to unskillful beliefs and practices if we're not careful. So having things like mindfulness is one possible tool um, to keep you grounded, to keep you aware of your thoughts, your emotions, your behavioral patterns, these kind of things, so you can be in, in the world in a way that's congruent with your goals and your values and your true beliefs. I'm curious, do you identify mindfulness as a core tenet of Buddhism? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, in, um, and, and the reason I say absolutely and I kind of smile is because mindfulness is super popular uh, right, in our it's society. It's very buzzy right now. <laughs> it's very buzz. And I feel like yeah, Buddhism yeah, yeah, gets yeah. reduced yeah, absolutely. A lot in, in just in culture and yeah, society yeah. to mindfulness. We know, we, we acknowledge right. that there's much more than that, well, but it is you. the buzzword that we're all familiar with. Thank you. And also, what is it? Right. Yeah. What is it, really? Right. You know. Well, thank you. Uh, there's two ways of thinking about Buddhism, there, there, or I'm sorry, thinking about mindfulness. Mindfulness in mental health care is typically defined in a way that Buddhism would agree with, and then I think Buddhism would add one extra thing. Uh, if you look at things like John Kabat-Zinn, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, these kind of things, mindfulness is arguably kind of the new treatment in psychology. And for sure, we have tons and tons of like research on the kind of clinical value of mindfulness. We know a lot about like mindfulness and depression, mindfulness and anxiety, mindfulness and panic disorders or this kind of thing, addiction. Um, we don't know as much, and I don't want to take us too off, but we don't know as much about mindfulness and neurology. I think there's some promising initial studies, but that's where you see things get a little extrapolated too much. Mm -hmm. But uh, we do know mindfulness works, the neurology of it, we're not as concrete on. But uh, mindfulness in psychology is typically defined as paying attention to your present moment experiencing and the unfolding of your experience moment to moment to moment. The way I would describe it is you're like a compassionate scientist in a meditative way gathering data on yourself. Now that's how psychology would define mindfulness, paying attention as non-judgmentally as possible to the unfolding of your experience moment to moment to moment. Um, Buddhism would agree with that. The thing that Buddhism would add, and I do think it's worth saying, um, first off, you don't have to be a Buddhist to practice mindfulness. You don't have to be a Buddhist to practice mindfulness. In the, in the vast, rich, diverse canon of world literature, the earliest text to, to kind of systematically describe the practice of mindfulness were texts from what we call the Pali Canon, kind of the Buddhist Old Testament. Okay. And the only thing that Buddhism would add to that definition of mindfulness, again, mindfulness being gathering da data in an unbiased, compassionate way to the unfolding of your experience moment to moment to moment. What's happening with your body, your emotions, your thoughts, your environment. Um, that's what mindfulness is. 
the thing that Buddhism would add to it, and this is really the key, is that according to the mythology of Buddhism, the Buddha created mindfulness because he was terrified of death. He had death-related anxiety, as we'd say in psychology. Um, he had what are called the four visions, the first three of which were he saw somebody was old, he saw somebody who was very, very sick, and then he saw a corpse, he saw a dead body. And these ideas of impermanence, the fact that, and I'll use myself as an example, I, we all, we all get sick, we all get older, we all eventually die. This was terrifying to the mm. Buddha. So, and he realized that there was more to life than sensory pleasures and in-the-moment fun, and he kind of dedicated his life to finding a way out of these universal existential challenges, and that that's how he eventually came up with mindfulness. So mindfulness, like, yeah, be mindful with your nachos or, you know, walking your dog or having fun. That's cool. I like chips and queso mindful too. Coloring. Yeah, mindful coloring. That I like to color. You know, it's yeah. fine. It's good. Have fun. Be playful. Um, but mindfulness in its original cultural context was actually created for the seminal challenges of human existence. Mm. That we all get older, we all mm. get sick, we all eventually die. Mindfulness was meant for the big stuff, the big mm. challenges mm. of human existence. And I think sometimes we miss that. I love how you're emphasizing, or at least I hear you yeah. emphasizing, um, this this present moment awareness. Absolutely. This this attention to the now. Yeah, and yeah. To the to the beauty that is right in front of you now. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah, and that's a, that's a powerful thing because sometimes even if bad things are happening, good things are happening as well. Right. Sometimes oh, there's yeah. really good stuff, and mm -hmm. people will miss it. We often do get hijacked. We get triggered. Our thoughts, our emotions. And we miss what's happening in front of us. And then we're like, oh, where'd my delicious meal go? Where'd my morning go? Where'd my weekend go? Where'd my life go? You know, and we don't want to live that way. And the truth is, too, it's important to acknowledge there is hard stuff in the world. There is painful stuff in the world. There's trauma in the world. And if nothing else, let's face the situation directly so we can deal with it. You know, and not just numb ourselves and tune out. So I'm actually still sitting with the Buddha yeah. in his death anxiety there. Sure, what, what, what was the outcome? Uh, well, the outcome, according to Buddhist mythology, <laughs> is that he resolved it. The idea is that uh, he... Um, I'm actually kind of smiling because... Um, a little comparative mythology, if you will. Uh, you know, it's... I mean, if you look at the stories of Jesus and Buddha, um, you know, it's kind of fun to compare. Matthew chapter 5 uh, through 7, you know, you have the Beatitudes and he gave the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount occurred right after chapter 4 in Matthew where he had the three temptations with the devil in the desert. In the same way, um, mythologically speaking, you know, the Buddha met Mara, who's the Buddhist devil. He... The Buddha also had three temptations of Mara in the desert, overcame those temptations, and instead of the Sermon on the Mount, it was Vulture Peak, but still a mountain. You know, and, and, he, and he gave his like definitive, the flower sermon, the Beatitudes, both are rooted in the practice of compassion. The story is interestingly exactly the same, with one difference. Uh, Jesus was in the desert 40 days, the Buddha was in there for 49. So it's like the Buddha needed an extra week and a half. <laughs> so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, I think I forgot your question. Oh, the outcome. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's said, it's, it's said in the mythology of Buddhism that um, 
the Buddha tried all these other practices, and, and, and even in his life narrative, you know, he kind of engaged in sensory pleasures, he engaged in, in ascetic practices, a denial of the flesh, and then the classic Buddhist saying was, salvation lies in the middle way. He found a kind of middle way lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, but specifically, the practice of mindfulness is, it was the kind of antidote to death-related anxiety and this kind of existential terror and inevitability. The Buddhist answer in a nutshell was that if you look very, 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 very deeply, not just in an intellectual way, but in an experiential way, the experience is always actually key. If you get in a very, very deep meditative state from the Buddhist perspective, uh, you will see that everything in existence is changing, everything around mm -hmm. us. And so I'll use myself as an example. Like I'm Dave. Uh, my birthday Sunday, turn 49. 49 years young. 49 days in the day. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It's an auspicious birthday. Oh, I never thought of that. It's cool. See, interreligious dialogue. We all learn from each other. Senior enlightenment is right around the corner. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, midnight, Saturday night. Yeah, there you go. Wait, is Dick your moment? Oh, maybe so, yeah. Come on down, Central Texas. Uh, but anyways, uh, from the Buddhist perspective, I'll use myself as a, there's this idea of no self. No self, the Buddha wasn't depressed, he wasn't schizophrenic. Um, what he was saying is that it was actually an amplification or an expansion of the self, that we are part and parcel of everything around us, every being, everything, every event. Um, there's no one thing that makes us who there are who we are, there's a multiplicity of things that comprise our existence. That's the idea of mindfulness and Buddhism in a nutshell. And from the Buddhist perspective, when you do mindfulness meditation, you get very in touch with that radical interconnection that also facilitates compassion. Okay. I, I just got to say, I know we're on sure, a sure. schedule. Briefly, that reminds me of the first question. We live in a society that wants to reduce me to uh, a yeah. role in life or a class or, or a gender, a, a, gender, a yeah. career, but his, was, his, his outcome no was very non-reductionistic. Yeah, it was an expansion. There's no one expansion. thing. It was, well, and, and even like language itself, words are never the thing. It's another classic Buddhist idea. Words are never the thing in and of themselves. Mm. Words are kind of fingers pointing at the moon. Words are not the moon in and of itself. So there's no one thing that makes us who we are. So even our, your Tea Party, your Green Party, your Democrat, your Republican, hey, we all get old, we all get sick, we all eventually die. We all have difficulty in our lives, and we want to transform that difficulty. Mm -hmm. and, and I will say, even in my own life journey, like I grew up in the South, my dad flew F-4s in Vietnam, I had an uncle who was a Navy SEAL, like I grew up in a, a real Navy SEAL, like we grew up in a very intense, Southern, very conservative uh, cultural environment. As a vegetarian Zen Buddhist, I'm not in all those same cultures. <laughs> but, but I have compassion for people, even if they're different than me. In a sense, there's no difference at all. Mm -hmm. you know, psychologically, we still have, spiritually, we still have the same needs. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we all have Buddha nature from the perspective of Buddhism. Yes. Oh, that's a good lead into the next question. <laughs> but I have one more before we, before we go there. I know it's See, this is a cool church. Y'all are into dialogue. Here's my question, I, or I guess just observation. It's not lost on me how beautifully connected that everything that you're, you're talking about with mindfulness and oh, Buddhist philosophy is to mental and emotional health. Yeah. Which is kind of your jam also. True, I am a psychologist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my thing. That's not lost on me. Yeah. I think that's well, a beautiful yeah. way to just live a very holistic thank life. You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So appreciate oh, that. Okay. Yes. Um, I, someone else. 
<laughs> oh, so our, our other question was, so we call ourselves Christian. Sure. We're, mostly, we're mostly okay with that label these yeah. days. <laughs> well, actually, can I, if I can say a quick thing on that, sure. like, be Christian. Mm-hmm. Really, like, it's like I have a lot of progressive Christian friends, and I love mm-hmm. y'all so much, but some of my, my Christian friends, like, they're so multicultural, and I love multiculturalism, and you're so respectful of diversity. Mm-hmm course we need to be respectful of diversity mm-hmm. that sometimes and I don't know about you I'm not speaking for y'all but sure. some of my progressive Christian friends will almost be a little hesitant to embrace their Christian mm-hmm. label and I'm not you know making any you know interpretations here but what I would say is hey you know what be Christian we need more of your Christianity mm-hmm. yeah. quite frankly <laughs> I, we need I, inclusive I, del- diversity celebrating Christianity right. and they're out True. there for sure yeah. but some what? people don't know we that in the work of yeah, it's okay. It got a lot of cultural baggage. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are doing the work of reclaiming yeah. it. Well, and that, but that can be a gift. You know, like yeah. when you embrace the goodness in yourself, it's not narcissistic. You're actually giving a healthy model for other mm-hmm. people as well. Mm-hmm. And we all true. feel unworthy yeah. sometimes, Hell Buddhists yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are saying to the world around us, there's an, a different way, another yeah, way to be Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's, that's, that's still faithful. And yeah. you know what? A, a lot of that incorporates this idea, the general idea of mindfulness. Yeah, you know, the idea to be, to be totally present. And I think that's part of why we want to learn more about Buddhism. We well, want our you. people to to have access to workshops like the one we're having in March. Yeah. Um, but one of the questions we had was, can it be offensive? Can we do both? Or yeah. where does cultural appropriation come in? Ah, uh, yeah. Are we stealing? Uh, good question. <laughs> I've never felt that from y'all, just to be candid. And we've done a lot of stuff together over the years. Been honored to work with y'all closely. And, and I've never felt that. I, I think the two biggest things, you know, there is this idea in Buddhist philosophy, of course we want to work for the good, we want to do everything we can, we dedicate our lives to the transformation of suffering and the cultivation of joy, but also we're just human beings. You have 80 billion cells in your brain, we will all make mistakes sometimes. I think the biggest thing to avoid, and cultural appropriation is a serious thing, it happens a lot, you can even see examples of it in the news, it's a thing to be aware of. I think we will make mistakes Sometimes when we're in deep dialogue, how could we not? We're all flawed. I think the biggest things are having good intentionality, being able to listen, being able to receive feedback, and working on working towards the good. Owning when we make mistakes, apologizing, and trying to move forward. And that's how we build society. Which is great advice for any reconciliation work that we ever Mm -hmm. do. Yeah, it's a lot of opportunities for healing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our last question for you. How would you articulate your own core mission in the world? You know, actually, I would say that's really simple for me. I view my life as helping other people and helping myself, transforming suffering and cultivating joy. Transforming suffering. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I I actually like, I mean, we're all imperfect. I make mistakes too. But for my life, I think it's actually very simple. Whether I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a psychologist, I'm a Zen priest. My job is for other people and myself to help transform suffering and to help cultivate joy. That's my purpose. Beautiful purpose. Well, thank thank you. you for sharing it with Glad us. Glad to be working with y'all. And we are so excited because on Saturday morning, March 9th, All we right. are hosting what we call a dig deep. It's where we dig deep yeah. into something that interests us, something we think we can learn from, become better by. Um, and we're doing a dig deep, the teachings of Jesus. 
and the Buddha, yeah. and you are leading it. Ah, well, thank you. So can you give us just a really quick sure, sure. plug? Yeah, well, it's going to be Saturday, March. March 9th. Thank you. 9 to 12. 9 to 12 in at, Central Texas yes, at y'all's right. church location. Round Rock. Location. Nice, in Round Rock, conveniently not far from I-35. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be a three-hour workshop, and uh, we're going to do a lot of meditation practices. We'll do uh, mindfulness, loving kindness, some other visualization practices. Uh, primary, all people are welcome, atheist, Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, everybody's welcome. It will be kind of rooted in Buddhism and Christianity uh, because that's what I have most of my training in. I'm limited to. Uh, but we'll, we'll do guided meditations. We'll have chance for personal reflection. We'll have chance for group dialogue. And we're going to focus on both the practices. It'll be very experiential as well as the philosophy that undergirds the practices. Thank you so much. We're so yeah. excited. We're going to put that information in... Uh, on our website and on our Facebook page and our Twitter. We're going to just throw it all out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we will have an Eventbrite link and a Facebook event link, and you can RSVP, and there will be more information there, so check that out. Yeah. Um, and also, subscribe to our podcast. Cool. Because we yeah. are putting yes. out a lot of content right. this month. Nice. We hope to see you back. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Peace to you all. Thank you. Peace.